Okay, we're back. I got the problems figured out with the podcast, and I'm sorry I've been absent for, gee, a couple weeks, I think. Um, What I decided to do is skip over to the New Testament. And I thought, I'll just pray about what book to read. And so... I'm continuing with my 365 daily reading, and I think now I'm in the book of Zechariah, um, where they're rebuilding the temple. But I think it's important um, to get into the New Testament because we're at a time in history where things are getting really dicey. Um, I'm still up at my cabin, and a little update on me since last time. Um, I've been up here, I think I mentioned before, I've been up here, I started at Passover and stayed here for 40 days. I'm about a half hour from town. Um, At one point I had to run to a truck stop out here to get something, but The rest of the time, I've pretty much been staying here. And what the Lord wanted me to do, and I'm just going to be very, very candid, very open about everything. What the Lord wanted me to do was go through my journals from the last year and a half or so, 2017, two and a half years. So the end of 2017 until now. I journal a lot. I mean, not an extreme amount, but I, I like to journal. If the Lord is showing me something, I like to put that in there. You know, and I typically I'll have two or three pages in a notebook for each day. Some days maybe a page and a half, other days maybe five. It all depends on what the Lord's showing me. And the reason he wanted me to journal is because he wanted to show me that when he started, now I've, I've had dreams and visions scattered here and there throughout my 35 years of being a Christian. But in late 2017, I don't know why he picked that time, maybe because it was the year of Jubilee for Israel, and maybe it's because we're very soon, very quickly, coming to the end of this age. I believe we're at the end of the Laodicean church age, and you can read about the seven church ages in Revelations 2 and 3. The last church age is the Laodicean church age, and it's the lukewarm church. What comes after that is the kingdom age, and that's where Jesus comes back and starts his millennial reign. So in late 2017, as Israel was celebrating their jubilee year, there was so many things coming out that I was missing because I was just going on about my typical Christian life. I was just, you know, going to church and just once a week and just kind of, you know, reading here and there. And I was journaling. But the Lord decided it was time to start waking some people up. And thankfully, I was one of them. Waking them up to where we are in, in history, in time. <clears throat> he, I do believe he is coming back soon. 
Um, you know, I don't think it's today or tomorrow, but I think soon. And throughout my Christian life, whenever he used soon, it was maybe in a year, maybe in two years, maybe in five years. But now when he means, means soon, he's like, keep watching. Watch all the stuff that's happening. And as we'll get into today, I'm going to read First Thessalonians. We'll see that, you know, it's, it's coming sooner than people think. Um, so I started in late 2017. And I had maybe 15 notebooks. And these are just college rule notebooks. <clears throat> some thin, some thick. And I started recording um, in an, on an index sheet that I stapled to the front of each book, my visions and other noteworthy things. Um, by the time I was six months into it, like say June of 2018, I had recorded over 40 visions. And I didn't remember a lot of them, to be honest, sorry, Lord, I didn't remember a lot of them. I mean, in my memory. But I wrote them down. He would urge me, and it was usually like going to sleep at night. I would see something before I fell asleep, and he would. I had my notebook beside my bed. I've been doing that for many years. And he would wake me up, write that down. Or he would just keep nudging me, don't fall asleep, write that down. Middle of the night, he'd wake me up. I've been having a dream, write it down. <coughs> Excuse me. And then in the morning, I would have visions. Or during the day, while I was usually journaling or reading, studying the Bible, if I'd have a vision, immediately he'd say, write it down. Because he knew I was going to forget all of these. Well, right now I'm up to August of 2019. So I started this about four weeks ago. Right now I'm up to last August. And I thought there was a huge change in my life. Huge change took place in 2018 and in early 2019. And I thought the visions had stopped because of all the things taking place. Like I thought I was too distracted and this and that. But as I was recording everything, I was realizing, no, they didn't. It was just that I wasn't remembering them because of all of the things that was going on. I was just so preoccupied with, with life just getting crazy. So I will share some of those at a later time. Um, the other thing I want to share, though, is that I'll be leaving here. Now, I, I did leave here this week. The 40 days was up this past Sunday. And... I will be leaving here on June 4th to go on a trip with my sister. Um, I did leave here like Monday and Tuesday and yesterday just to run some errands, see my kids. Um, but I'm continuing with the journals. I'm just about done. I have to have that done before I leave. But the Lord has called me to fast. Um, a fruit and dairy fast because of a medical condition that I have. Um, I actually have to have dairy. Um, but the diet that I was eating while I was up here for 40 days, 
I just went to the store and picked up just a bunch of stuff I thought would carry me through. Well, it was it was like too much proteins, too much, uh, what do you call it, um, enriched flowers and things like that, packaged things. You know, because vegetables and fruits only last so long, so then you end up getting into the packaged things and the frozen meats and anything you can freeze. And I had stuff for, uh, you know, fruit smoothies and that sort of thing. Well, the Lord showed me to stop with all the meats and the proteins and the packaged flours and sugars and things like that. Just stop all of that and just focus on fruits and vegetables. Luckily, I have canned and frozen of those. And to make smoothies, I have yogurt and milk and juice and just do that. So I started that about three days ago. As you may know, around the world, people are fasting between the end of, well, I would say the end of the, of the 40 days past pa Passover. So 10 days before the uh, Pentecost, which is May 31st this year. And I'm not Jewish, but I am a follower of Christ. And he was Jewish. And the, the, he, he observed the festivals. He went to Jerusalem when they had Passover and all of these. And so he must have thought they were really important. i got to shut this. The wind is picking up quite a bit. So I am observing the Jewish feasts and festivals because I know that, that they're important to our Lord. So I am fasting 10 days before... Pentecost. Um, incidentally, one thing I found in my journals, and I wasn't going to go on too much about this, but I feel that I have to. One thing I wrote, and I just saw this last night, in my journal of August of 2019, that I felt that May of 2020 was going to be very significant in my life for a personal change. And boy, has it been. The trip that I am taking with my sister is a discipleship trip. Um, we are going to go to a location, and right now I'm not going to say where, when, and who, and whatever. But we are going to get together with a group of people, a large group, that is going to go out on the streets preaching the gospel, laying hands on people for healing, and this group sees healing regularly, casting out demons and preaching the gospel. And that's, we're going to do this for a weekend and just see God work. I just, I want to see God work. I don't know about you, but I want to see him work. You know, it's fine to go to church for worship and and, uh, you know, get some teaching, say hi to people you know there. But I want to see God work like he was working in the book of Acts. Because as we close out the Laodicean church age, the lukewarm church, the church who isn't doing anything, the church who are asleep, they are the ones who are sleeping disciples. 
So can you call that a disciple? I don't know. Can you call an employee my sleeping worker? You know, no. If, if you go to your job and sit at your desk and fall asleep, what happens? You get fired. You get told to leave. You don't belong here. Go home. Get out. So there's no such thing as a sleeping disciple. So let me change that. The disciples are the ones who are awake, who want to work for the Lord. And as we'll read in Thessalonians, they want to work for their keep. The disciples were traveling around. And like in, in the Gospels, when Jesus would send them out, they were traveling around and they were not, uh, they didn't even take money with them. They didn't even take their purse or wallet or whatever with them. They didn't take an extra coat. They would go out completely, 100% trusting in the Lord that, that God would provide all of their needs. And that's biblical. That's what Jesus said. Do this. Do this. This is, if you're my disciple, do this. You know, and in the New Testament, in the Gospels, of course, there was a New Testament. And after Jesus died and Paul and Peter and all those guys started doing all their traveling and discipling and making new disciples and those disciples would make new disciples, there was no New Testament. They had nothing to go on. So they would go to a place like Corinth or Ephesus <clears throat> and they would minister to them there and start house churches there. And then they would leave when the Holy Spirit led them on and they would go to another city and do the same thing there. Well, the people in the city they left were expected to continue discipling and then the people they discipled would be continuing to disciple. That's how the gospel spread worldwide. Paul and Peter did not spread the gospel worldwide. They were martyred. You know, and yes, there was others like, you know, James and John and Timothy and Philip and, you know, all these other guys too. But 11 or 12 people, because Judas was replaced, did not disciple the world. They were martyred. John was taken to the Isle of Patmos because they wanted to shut him up. He wasn't, he wasn't spreading the gospel after he was dropped off there. He was alone. So someone had to be doing it. So who it was was the people they discipled, and the people they discipled discipled other people, and so on and so on. And that is how the gospel spread worldwide. That's how we know about Jesus. That's how the Bible got writ, uh, written eventually and distributed. The Catholic Church had, had a lot to do with it. The Lutheran Church, all these other churches had a lot to do with it. But discipling, the model of discipling is taken from the book of Acts and what Jesus told them to do to go out and make disciples, repent, be baptized in water, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it has to be a true repentance. A true repentance is one where you don't want anything to do with sin anymore. You realize what really happened 
on the cross. You realize that your Savior died for your sins. You put him on the cross. We all did. Not just humanity as a whole. Because humanity is made up of individual persons. All of us individually make that whole that he died for. And you've heard it said many times, if it was just you, he would have died for just you. So going through my journals um, has been very enlightening. The Lord has been pointing to me all along that this is what I would be doing this year. And he showed me other things about, you know, later on in 2020 and early 2021. I'm not a prophet. I have been prophetic, but I'm not going to say unless the Lord tells me specifically, say this, say that. I'm not going to share what I put in there that I personally saw for myself, but I just want people to be aware that the end of this year and early 2021, there's more things coming. Um, like I was talking about in Ezekiel, I was talking about the, the judgments and how the Old Testament prophets talk about um, famine, pestilence, and the sword. They say a fourth one, the beasts. Um, kind of gruesome, but famine, pestilence, that eventually will kill lots and lots of people. Um, you know, are we talking vultures? I don't know. I, I, you know what I'm saying. But I don't want to go into that. And then war, the sword. We know war is coming. We know war is coming in the United States. We know it is. It, we can't escape it. Um, the only way we could escape it is if, is if revival swept America, which it, it very well could. It could, but it would have to be on a very large scale. And we're in the end of the Laodicean church age. That would mean waking up a lot of people. But we're also in the time of the falling away, the great apostasy. And, and side note, no, falling away does not mean the catching up or the rapture. We will be here when the Antichrist is revealed. I, I've said before, I don't want to get into arguments about the rapture, but, you know, just plan on being here. And if you're taken, hallelujah. But don't plan on being gone so that you're not prepared. You know, there is going to be a rapture, but it's going to be a very, very tiny number of people. And those will be spiritually caught up and trained for the Joel II army. So it's not going to be millions and millions and millions of people who call themselves Christians. Like I said earlier, if you're working for God, and you're sleeping, either he's going to say, get out, you're no good here, or you're going to sleep through the alarm. You know, how sound asleep are we? So anyway, I want to read First Thessalonians, and I'm glad I got this working again. 
Um, all right. Oh, it's getting really windy out there. So, all right. Chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Interjection. They're remembering their work of faith and labor of love. Is that where they go to work at McDonald's? No. They're out discipling. They're out spreading the gospel and praying over people for healing and casting out demons. That's what they're doing. So uh, they're remembering them in their prayers for that. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So right there, interjection. Gospel doesn't come to people just because they read the word, read the Bible. You have to have power in the Holy Spirit with it. How do you get that? You have others going out and showing you how to get that. Or you pray and have the Lord impart it to you and then you take it out to others. <clears throat> it's a share, sharing thing. Verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Okay? Affliction, joy of the Holy Spirit. This is not just an hour and a half on Sunday. Sorry, I'll go on. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Interjection. Jesus will deliver us from the wrath to come. Does it say he's going to deliver us from the judgments that are coming on the earth? No. He says from the wrath. That's the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Interjection. So they're preaching the gospel uh, in a pure way, no deceit. This is how it has to be done in holiness. Chapter four, or verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, 
but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Interjection, okay, so they did, they were preaching the gospel night and day. This is true work. Night and day, that's a, that's a lot. Verse 10, you are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. <clears throat> I want to point something out. Interjection, of course. Verse 7, he says, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her children. Uh, verse 11, we exhorted and comforted and charged you as a father does his own children. Paul is, is referring to his people, their people that they left in Thessalonica as his family. Like he's, they are father and mother, like nurturing them. So you see that how how the church should be like a true family. I know when people go to church on Sunday, they're like, oh, my church family. It's like, well, then do you cry together? Do you pray together? Do you get together more often than just Sunday morning? I know I've, I've belonged to a lot of churches. I've moved a lot. And where I've had some really good friends there, I've never had any that felt like family like true family. You can truly trust them. I'm sorry, I just never have. Verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the other uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? At his coming, for you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, 
we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Interjection. He's talking about this is the life. This is the true life of a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus. I don't want to sound too harsh or condemning because the Holy Spirit leads you, leads a person into sanctification and obedience. As long as you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, he will continue to lead you into sanctification and preparing you for your assignment. At this late hour in world history, what we all should be doing right now is praying, what is my assignment? What am I here for? What is my purpose? According to Jesus, our purpose is to share the gospel. That's all he's ever preached. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Go out, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. This is what Jesus has said over and over. This is what you do. And then his whole life was an example. His whole life was an example. He, he lived with the disciples after his baptism for like a little over three years, I think. And, and showed them exactly what to do. You know, he says, I am about my father's business. I am doing what I hear the father telling me to do. I do what my father does. So Jesus is the example, <clears throat> being part of God. He's the example. And so he's the example for the disciples that were following around. And there was more than 12 but we read about the 12 because those are the ones that he first gave his authority to, to go out. He sent out the 12, two by two, gave him, giving him his authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. And then they came back overjoyed. They're like, wow, even the demons obey us. I mean, they were just like, wow, this is so cool. So that's our example. All right, so let's go on. Okay, in verse 3 he says, we are appointed to this, meaning this is part of the Great Commission. Verse 4. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Interjection. He's not saying when I could no longer endure the tribulation. He's saying when I could no longer endure not knowing what was going on with the people he had just left in Thessalonica. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith, 
For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Before we go on to chapter 4, I want to point out in that last paragraph, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. Okay? And then later he says, establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God. So what do we need before Jesus comes with all of his saints? We need to be showing love to one another and living in holiness. That's what he says right there. Chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. All right. We're at minute 34, but I'm going to continue and read uh, the rest of the book. Um, there's not much left. I just I just hate to, to break it up. Uh, okay, chapter 4, verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Now, interjection, at this point, he's not saying, mind your own business and work with your own hands, as in, don't, you know, like, like, go start making tents and don't talk to anybody. He's talking about don't be gossiping, um, you know, work with your hands. Like, don't be idle, don't be gossiping, that, that sort of thing. Verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Interjection. This word sleep is talking about, let me go to the margin, um, those who in ages past have died doing the work of the Lord. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, I'm going to tread into a little bit of dangerous territory here. <clears throat> Hope you don't mind. Let's give both sides of it. A, there is a rapture of the whole church. Okay. Um, I just want to say who will be left here then to witness to the other people during the judgment years, the first three and a half. The judgment years are to wake up the church and turn them to repentance. So there has to be someone here to assist with that, I would assume. I don't know. Okay, let's look at the verses here. The dead in Christ will rise first. All right. In all of the centuries, um, 20 centuries, the last 2,000 years, there's been a lot of Christians who've been martyred. Um, Christians who have really been walking the disciple road. You know, um, just well-known people, you know, that, that we know of, of just in the 1900s. You know, you have Smith Wigglesworth and, you know, all these people. Um and I hesitate to name names because I don't know what their private lives were like. Were they walking in holiness? You know, the Bible does say you can do signs and wonders. And at some point, the Lord will say, you know, you were just reveling in your gifts. I never knew you. I mean, well, that's a whole different book, and we'll get into that later. But, I mean, we have to remember God is a just God. He's righteous. He's holy. He's a consuming fire. He is love. He grants grace. Uh, what's the verse? He grants grace to the humble. You know, so we have to look at all of this. Do we have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit sanctifying us? Are we become holier and holier and holier as every day goes by? Are we going from glory to glory? Or do we just profess our belief and say, by grace I'm faith. Yeah, I am faith, I'm saved. That's it. That's it. Don't talk to me about this other stuff. Through grace and faith, I'm saved. Just stop. You know, we're not, those of us who are saying, you know, you got to have the true repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and water. We're not saying this because we want to condemn you. We're saying this because we want to make sure everyone has examined themselves. Like it says in Corinthians, examine yourself to make sure that Christ is really in you. So I don't want to go on too, too long about this, but I think it's very important. The dead in Christ rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The clouds, I believe, is not these white wispy things, whether they be chemtrails or real or whatever. This, I believe, is the cloud of witnesses talked about in Hebrews. And then again, there is more about it in Revelations. This, I believe, is the cloud of witnesses, which are those in dead, dead in Christ, who ascend 
first. Well, rise first. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, the graves popped open. So the dead in Christ go first. Then we who are alive, when he comes back for us, are caught up together in the air. And then we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. So this is, this is a rapture, no doubt. This is a, a catching away. So there is a rapture. Um, but when it happens is with the voice of the trumpet. The trumpets are in the book of Revelations. The trumpets are happening during the judgment years. The very first trumpet, yes, that could be the time, you know, <clears throat> But at the very first trumpet, if you read in the book of Revelations, it's, it's not talking about anything like that we haven't already seen before on the earth. So, you know, what would he be, you know, whisking us away to avoid? It's not his wrath. So I don't know. Um, but there's also the point where we come back with him, and we'll get into that later. Um, so let's go on. Chapter 5. And this is the last chapter. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. I want to interject something here. A thief in the night comes in the darkness. When? When people are sleeping. Sleeping, church, does not see the thief. In another place, it says Jesus comes as a thief. When he comes for us, you have to be awake. And I'm not talking about middle of the night when normally everybody sleeps. I'm talking about lukewarm spiritual deadness, spiritual sleep, not knowing what's going on, not praying that the Holy Spirit will fill you up and give you revelation so that you know what's going on. All right. <clears throat> Verse 5, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Interjection, the church is not appointed to wrath. But if you're asleep and you don't see the wrath coming, what then? Verse 12, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. We rejoice always. Pray without, uh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Interjection. We're talking about holiness here. Holiness says do not quench the Holy Spirit. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Interjection. That's, this is so important. This is probably the most important part. The God of peace. God brings peace. When the world says peace and safety, they're lying. If you are not following God in holiness and you're in peace and safety, can you trust your existence? God gives peace. He sanctifies you completely. That's through the Holy Spirit. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I urge you to really consider if you have any sin in your life to get rid of it. Is it worth holding on to? Seriously. Is it really worth holding on to? I struggled with uh, too much drinking too much alcohol. I was a smoker at one point, and I'm not saying this to say, oh, I'm good, look at me, look at me. I'm just saying, no, I've been there. I've been there. I still, every now and then, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I said, I, I said that. That was so wrong. I should not have said that. I just had to call a friend of mine the other day and apologize to her because I had placed a burden on her. It was that the Lord never intended me to place on her. You know, and she was really surprised. I mean, very surprised. She's like, oh, well, that's okay. But it, it wasn't that I needed her to say that's okay. It was needed that I, I needed to hear the Lord say, thank you for setting that straight. You know, that was creating a wall between us. And I'm telling you the truth. You can't hear from the Lord if you have sin in your life. If you think you're hearing from the Lord and you have sin in your life, you better double check it. You know, I mean, sin that the Lord is working on you about. I mean, if you're if you're doing something like, okay, take for instance, I used to work at a job <clears throat> that that didn't have morally good huh, things. You know, I mean, I I wasn't like a prostitute. Okay, I it was I was working in a regular building. You see all over town. I don't want to say it because I don't want to, you know, 
And the Lord was like, I don't want you working here anymore because of this verse and that verse and this verse and that, that verse doesn't, doesn't line up with this particular profession. I was like, oh, okay. It took me a few years for that to really sink in, and, but eventually the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, was sanctifying me a little more, a little more, a little more. I was getting a little bit more convicted that, you know, I don't really like doing this anymore. You know, it's like those payday loans and that sort of thing. It wasn't a payday loan place, but it's like charging ungodly usury percentages. You know, and I was just like, I don't feel good about this anymore. So I'm like, well, Lord, get me a different job then. And he did. If he wants you out of it, he'll replace it with something good. If he wants you to stop smoking, he'll he'll make it so that eventually you'll be really glad you did. Trust me, you'll be really glad you did. Okay. Uh, brethren, pray for us. Verse 25. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So that's 1 Thessalonians. Um, I'll do 2 Thessalonians on another episode. But I'm sorry it went so long. We're almost at minute 50, so I'll end it here. Um, please be in prayer about everything I've said. And um, I'm just trying to be faithful with what revelation and knowledge the Lord has given me. So I'll sign off now. Have a good day.